Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello, and as the Drop-In CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to mitigate crises and help teams get back on track. This podcast is about helping the C-suite leader to navigate challenges with confidence. For today's leader, I'm here to help you get back on track. Tomorrow's leader, let me partner with you to learn the secrets of the C-suite. Wherever you're at in your career, this is the podcast for you. Hello, I am Deb Coviello, founder of the Drop-In CEO brand, and I want to thank you for joining us on another episode of the podcast where week after week, I have the privilege of speaking to amazing leaders who share their insights with you and hopefully inspire you. And all I ask is if you love this episode, and I know you will, please subscribe, rate, review, download, and tell others, tell others about this great resource. Help elevate others in your network. And just on a personal note, I am here to help the C-suite leaders of today and tomorrow navigate their challenges with confidence. And today, I am very, very excited to introduce to you Kim Boudreaux-Smith. Kim is passionate about helping women find their bold voices. A born entrepreneur with 25 years as a leader in corporate America, Kim rocks at showing female entrepreneurs and high-performing professional women how to develop their speaking confidence, level up in their presence, and increase their profitability. Kim's raw, slightly rebellious, and almost riveting speaking style makes her a go-to speaker for women, business, and professional conferences, associations, etc. But prior to launching her career as a professional speaker and speaking coach, she was the head of a radio station and for 25 plus years ran a thriving fitness business. Kim is also the co-author of several Amazon best-selling books. Oh my, thank you, Kim, for joining me on the Drop-In CEO podcast. Thanks, Deb, for having me here today. So I am so excited for this interview. We've been circling each other on social media. We've got mutual contacts. And I think we just said, we just got to get to know each other. So immediately out of the gate, she and I had so many similar thoughts about not only helping female professionals, but any professional that wants to realize their truest potential, elevating their mindset, their essential skills, and also their speaking skills because our voice is our greatest instrument to really project and have a profound impact. So it is my pleasure, Kim, to offer you the floor. I'd love for you to share a bit about yourself personally and the journey you've been on. Wow, thank you. Gosh, the journey I have been on. Well, you know, I'm that child that back in the day was organizing Mother May I's. I just dated myself by saying Mother May I's, you know, organizing all that stuff. When I was younger, I was very vocal, but I had society telling me, Kim, you have a big mouth, close it up, shut it down, you're too bossy, and took that into my young adult. And as a teenager, young adult, high school became very rebellious with my mouth. And then I took this into corporate where I silenced myself because Deb, back in the day when I was in corporate, I sat at tables. I was the only woman. I didn't know what imposter syndrome was. And boy, I was wearing it like it was going out of style. And there weren't other female mentors at that time. There were other females that wanted my seat, which I'm like, Sure, I've warmed it up for you because I can't elevate unless we have others coming in either behind or side by side or in front. And these women would have done anything to slip my throat and stab me in the back to get to where I was at. 
so I had that whole corporate thing where I really brought on sit a certain way, don't speak up, speak down, play small, you know, put in the imposter syndrome, let the inner critic take you over. Because if you just said the wrong thing with the only woman being at at an executive table, that was it. You were done. So I spent a lot of times after meetings being very small and quiet, saying what I thought everybody should, you know, think that it's in the bathroom crying afterwards. So it was a journey. It really was a journey. It wasn't until my mid late forties when I just finally said enough was enough. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired and holding myself back and really embraced all of this. But like, what was the trigger there? Because you are telling a little bit about my story and regardless of whether male, female, there's these points in our life where there's so much more we could be and stop owning the narrative of what we were telling ourselves. Yes, you said you had it, but could you just go into a little bit more detail? So you got to this point, but then what was that process that Kim came out (laughs) again and is that strong person we see now? What literally almost brought me to my knees was I was 48 years old, several years ago, and I fell asleep at a major intersection during the day here right by my house. And Deb, I know you're not from the Detroit area. So for those listening and not from the Detroit area, we have a street called Woodward Avenue. It's four lanes south, all the way downtown Detroit, stops at the river, which divides us from Canada. And it's four lanes north going all the way out into the suburbs. It's a busy road. It's a very impactful road. And I came to a red light. I wasn't tired that day. It wasn't because I was lacking sleep. I fell asleep at the red light. What woke me up was my head fell forward. I picked my head back up, fell forward again and fell asleep again and picked my head back up. Here's my first reaction. Oh my God, who saw me? Not, am I okay? My gosh, thank goodness my foot is on the brake. I didn't land up in the intersection. It was, oh my God, who saw me? And then it was, Oh my God, I'm in trouble. And I was a mile from home. Thank goodness. I was about a mile, mile and a half from my home. Thank goodness. And made it home. That was a very long yet short drive with very loud rock and roll music on to keep me awake and stimulated, air conditioning, full blast windows down. And got into my house and stood here and went, wow, some people dread turning 50. I'm a year and a half at that point away from turning 50. And I was looking forward to turning 50. I wasn't dreading it. And I thought to myself, if I don't get my act together, I'm not going to see 50. I'm not quite sure I'm going to make it to 49 at the pace I'm going. And what it was, I, I reached out to my my village of peeps and got help. But I realized, here's what I was doing every morning. I would wake up, look at the drywall above my head, And I'm an early riser, 4.35 a.m. And before I even put my feet on the ground, here's what I told myself. What is my day like today so I can come back to bed before I got even out of bed? So needless to say, at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I would be in bed, fully dressed, sometimes shoes on, in bed. Because I was talking myself back to sleep. Because I was living without passion, clarity. I have suffocated my voice. And the voice that was telling me was sleep, sleep, sleep. An amazing story. And so sorry. And it sounds like you have gotten through that and gotten to a place of balance. So again, knowing that you said, okay, I can't keep doing what I was doing. And I find so many of the people I interface are in this rat race and don't even realize they're in it or they are. 
And I hope they don't have an acute situation to force them to reflect on what they're doing. And it sounds like yours was a little bit like that. But then once you realize you want to make it to 50 and enjoy your life, then what was it like afterwards? And how did you find or change so that it looks like you're doing exactly what you were meant to do and really enjoying what you're doing now? That is where I really turned in. And I got involved with a woman that is here locally in the Detroit area. And she hosts these beautiful nine-month journeys for women. Nine-month being gestational, breathing something new. And I called her, I knew her, and I called her and I said, I don't care where, I don't care how, I don't care when, just get me there because I cannot afford to fall asleep like that again behind the wheel. And plus I was asleep literally in my life. And so I stepped into that nine-month journey and brought forth everything that I was dealing with to help go in as opposed to constantly running around. Let's go get another haircut. Let's go shopping some more. Let's go get another manicure, pedicure. Not that there's anything wrong with that stuff, but looking for the external fixes. I took this and went in to really, you know, heal my soul and my soul's very imperfectly healed. It's still work in progress. And to really figure out who I was so I can claim my voice and step out. And, you know, Deb, one of the things I had to do before making this phone call was the next morning, because I'm going to get up, I'm going to look at that drywall above my head. And I did not want to say to myself, wonder what my day is like that day so I can come back to bed. Instead, I laid there and went, that drywall above my head, I'm really grateful for. Got up and it did put a different skip into my step. but. I turned in, went on a nine-month journey for myself, which was facilitated by this woman. And she had other women assisting her as well. It's one of the most beautiful things I've ever done for myself. I think it's a beautiful thing when people do have a little bit of time, either forced or by choice, to be able to take that time and reflect. And again, I've shared the story about myself making that switch from corporate. And I could have gone right back into a corporate role. In fact, three days afterwards, I actually had a couple interviews. Wasn't looking for it. They came out of the blue, but I I went in probably with negative attitude. I said, I don't want to go back because I felt like I lost a little bit about myself or I was becoming a completely different person, a creative, somebody that wanted to try new ideas versus totally conforming and just getting the results day in and day out. And it was a beautiful time, about a three-month period, that I spent also some time to realize what I wanted to bring forward from the work that I did, but then what was it that I was going to do going forward? And that's, again, how the drop-in CEO became, how I came to work with small and medium-sized companies, the business owners, and also trying to elevate the people. And most importantly, this is where it ties so much into here, is finding my voice because I squelched my voice for so many years. And every time I speak up, a lot of people like what I say because I help get initiatives moving forward. I'm a can-do results person. And then when it wasn't convenient, they said, you shouldn't have said that. And again, I got all the stories here, but I want to now know, you and I obviously love to speak. We love to inspire and help other people. What are some of the most common things that you do see maybe we'll focus on female professionals, that they don't have their voice. And are there any tips, maybe even provide an example where you've helped them find what it is that they're meant to do, whether it's their voice or their pursuit, because I want to inspire a few of the listeners out there. Yes, you did ask the question, of course, female voices, because I work mainly with females, but I do have a couple of male clients. So I don't want to 
the men that are listening, we're not leaving you out. We're not ignoring <laughs> you today in this show. And, you know, men do deal with lack of confidence as well, just like women do. And imposter syndrome, it just shows up a little different for men as it does differently for women. A lot of things I see with women is they've taken on the societal images and pressures of don't speak up, don't ruffle those feathers. And if you do speak up, you better know what everyone in that room wants to hear, which we can't even possibly imagine what's going on in other people's heads. So I call that the OPOs, other people's opinions. We buy in, we get into that carte blanche of that OPOs, other people's opinions. I see women, and a lot of us do this because we have such this beautiful estrogen that runs through our bodies. We want to fluff. We want to make nice. If we're getting ready to go in for a negotiation of a a promotion and higher income, we want to soften that ask before we get to the ask. But what happens when we're softening up that ask? Sometimes we soften too much and then we come over to the other side and go small and then pull back. You know, and it's just seeing women really own and claim those rooms that they're sitting in, standing on stages, walking in and doing it so perfectly and perfect unapologetically. And one of the biggest things I see is, in fact, I just had a client recently, she was going in for a 60% salary increase plus increasing her percentage of uh, ownership in the company. And a year ago, she would never have asked for that. And if she would have went in and started to ask for that, she would have said, ah, that's okay. You don't have to pay me that. Let's do it for the greater good of the company. Where we flipped that all around, did some role playing, got her all prepped. And the day before the meeting, when we were role playing, again, wanted to fluff and make nice. I'm like, okay, we got to chop and make nice because your visionary is a man. He knows what's coming and you need to just get right on into the conversation. An hour later, she called me and said, one of the best meetings I've ever leveraged. And it takes practice. It takes practice for us to get to that and claim that and enhance our confidence. I have women say I have no confidence. That I think that's a bunch of BS. We do have confidence. We need to amplify it, enhance it for different situations. Oh, yeah. Because if we are in our nurturing moment or we are doing something for a community event, oh my, we are in our space. We have confidence and don't cross the line because I know what needs to get yeah. done. <laughs> We're not going to even use my questions today. I'm going to go <laughs> right now. I like what you say is that there may be physical and chemical attributes that are part of the female nature for which we want to play nice, build consensus. And it's interesting. I have taken tests where I show up, I don't know whether it's insights or what have you, I show up as a consensus builder. And that's okay. And I think a female potentially, if you have, or regardless of the demographics, if you like building consensus, that's almost like warming people up, building trust. It is a skill that should be celebrated. Get to know the people, find common ground, make people feel good or at least respected or heard. People don't necessarily have to like you. And then when you flip it, a little bit of role-playing, getting crisp. Uh, what is it? Why are we here today? Here's the value that I provide. Here are the reasons why I have provided value and I will continue. And it is for that reason that I want X, Y, and Z. And when you're able to actually go back and forth between two personas, again, still grounded in the same principles and truths, so it's not being two-faced or anything. But if you can be a consensus builder, 
but then come across confidence when you believe in something and want something. Oh my, do you get people's attention? Because if you're always a consensus builder, they get used to it and they might not hear it. But if you're the consensus builder now and then come across and say, okay, now that I got your attention, we're here to get something done. This is what I want. It is an attention grabber. And I really appreciate what you do to help people amplify (laughs) that confidence. Yes. You know, we all have ideas worth sharing. By the way, that's a TED Talk. Those are TED Talk words. But we all have ideas worth sharing, whether it's on a stage or whether it's at a table. And it's getting confident enough to be able to share those without a diluted message, ums, ahs, ohs, so's, and, and, and oh, and maybe I shouldn't say this, without diluting the message and actually getting people to buy into those ideas. That's that bit of piece of that confidence. I don't know about you, Deb, but boy, I can really sit in rooms with people and I, I get to a point where I don't even care what they're saying. It's how they're showing up. It's their energy. It's how they present themselves, even though it is what they're saying is very important, but it's how they're presenting themselves. It's how how they are making others in the room feel. And it takes practice. And we all can do that, introverted or extroverted. We all can do that. You know, I love what you say <laughs> about the introvert, extrovert. So I have strong introverted tendencies. And so it, even though I love to talk, <laughs> I love to talk, which is the extrovert, but going into a large room where people I haven't formed relationships with, it is hard to then come on immediately strong. I got to spend the time, get to know the people, build some trust, and then I can command the room. So that is an important skill. If you don't feel like you have it, then it might mean you need to exercise some more skills, role play, or start building one-on-one intimate relationships with a new group of people, new business, et cetera. Because then when you do get the stage, you're in front of the people, a Zoom call, you can command the audience. And you know what? You're actually helping me because I am going to be very shortly doing a Master of Ceremonies gig. It is a speaking gig. And I know my stuff. I know what I have to talk about. Who do I have to enter? Technically, I can do that. But oh my, (laughs) I have to do work very quickly, get to know the people, get to know the stage, have some stories and build that internal confidence. So when I stand up and make people feel good about the conference that we're at, I have the energy and then people will feel it. And yeah, the fact that I tell them what time dinner is and where their next event is, it's a little bit less important, but making sure that I give them a great experience and be memorable. Yeah, exactly. Be memorable. Absolutely. Again, you're very spot on there, Deb. You know where you need to ebb and flow, go in and out. It's almost like a Fred Astaire, Ginger Roger dance, so to speak. And it's that pre-rehearsal leading up to that. What are you doing to do some practicing, walking and talking, things like that? Every time we go into any high stakes situation, whether it's emceeing an event or a presentation or keynote, there needs to be some kind of practicing involved. And that's where that confidence piece goes up. I wanted to take a moment to remind you that a recent study showed nearly 60% of leaders feel depleted at the end of the day. And this feeling is a key indicator of burnout and makes it difficult to lead and inspire others. If you've ever experienced that restless exhaustion, you know why CEOs are amongst the most likely candidates for experiencing job frustration. I wrote The CEO's Compass, your guide to get back on track, to confront those feelings and create a plan 
that is sustainable for you and your organization. I created a seven-point assessment that will help you figure out your problems in days, not months. And it includes so many resources, worksheets, videos, and much, much more. If this is you, please head over to my website, dropinceo.com, and click on my products, The CEO's Compass, and order yours on Amazon or other outlets. And now, back to the conversation. So another C word. So there's the confidence and clarity. So whether somebody is in a business and they're just doing their job, trying to make a presentation, they're trying to go for uh, a C-suite level, whatever. I'd love to know an example where you got a strong female professional in front of you, but they haven't yet gotten clarity around what is it that they stand for? How do they show up? It's akin to executive presence that these are the things I stand for. I'm going to lead with and I'm always going to talk about because I was told I needed more presence and I was never coached on clarity of thought and what are your guiding principles? How do you help somebody as you're helping them to gain confidence, also that clarity of purpose and how they're going to show up? First of all, I have some wonderful tools. I like to say up my sleeves a lot that I pull out to help a person through that process of their messaging. And by the way, I want to get real clear here. When we're talking about messaging, you and I are business owners. We are called entrepreneurs. We have messaging in our businesses. We also have people that work in organizations. There are messaging within those organizations as well. And getting really clear as an individual part of that organization, what is that messaging? And being able to take people through that process, which again, it's another dent that ups the game and the confidence and helps with that executive presence. I love helping women get their insides to match the outsides and the outsides matching the insides, which that doesn't mean we're not looking down because we're feeling uncomfortable when the spotlight's on us. That doesn't mean we're trying to play small because we're going in and asking for big dollars for us. You know, it's being able to sit and be very grounded and hold the eye contact and say, I deserve, this is my messaging, so to speak. This is my messaging, so to speak. And this is how we do an executive presence. And you and I both as entrepreneurs, we've got to have that presence as well in our business. You know, I've experienced a lot of that. (laughs) I mentor some people. I probably do more coaching through the mentoring, but I have observed people that if they're not looking you straight in the eye, if they're trying to share an experience as part of prepping for an interview, if they look to the side, they look up, maybe they are deep in thought. They're searching for the right words so they can articulate it. But as soon as they lose eye contact, that sends kind of a negative message. Like, are they really interested? So that is great practice to be able to maintain eye contact while you're searching internally at the same time for the right words that you want to message. The thing also about stance, there was an individual I was coaching because they were had a very tall profile. They always felt they were too tall and always had to play small. So they would always lean over and their shoulders rolled forward. And so they, even though what they were saying was important, they would show up in their body language very small, trying to be smaller than the tall statuesque profile that they were given, which was a gift. So, so important about that. And I know you talk about trying to emulate a masculine stance versus embracing your authentic style and the way you show up. Maybe just expand upon this just a little bit. Well, there's a woman out there, Amy Cuddy, that anybody can go on YouTube and you can see a talk, Power of Stance, and how to shoulders down, chest open, 
And I'm going to add that I'm going to chemize this power of stance and not taking away from Amy Cuddy. And by the way, seriously, go take a look at her, YouTube her. It's a very, it's a 20 minutes, a great, fantastic talk. There's just some psychological things behind it as well. And Amy has that background, just to be clear. But a power stance is when we bring our feet just about hip width apart, not quite past the hips. And it's not hands on hips, I am superwoman, or hand on a hip and pointing a finger. Now, can you do hands on hip, a hand on a hip and a pointing finger if you're demonstrating or giving a, a example of some something, but hands on hip comes across too a little bit over on that masculine side. It's almost like I'm, I'm going to give someone some shoulder pads and oh my God, there's nothing wrong with shoulder pads, but shoulder pads, you know, when we're standing like that, or when you're giving that pointing that finger at people that is a very condescending, blaming, shaming, pointing of the finger. What we need to be is, by the way, this power stance can take into a power sits since the last year, we've been doing a lot of hybrid standing and sitting is feet are on the floor, planted just shy of about hip width apart, shoulders are down, chest is open. And before you even go in, one of the things I love about any type of a conversation, whether it is team leads, your direct reports, keynote, anything, is to take three to five deep guttural, guttural breath. Fill the chest up, let that belly rock and roll and get that out. Now, what that will do in the power stance is, of course, you're not going to do those guttural breaths when you're in the middle of a meeting or delivering a keynote, but it will slow all the energy down so you remain grounded so your breath doesn't become shallow and stay here at your chest. You want some casual breathing with that. And you can take all of that. In fact, as I'm sitting here with you, Deb, I'm in my power sits because, you know, we're seated and I have my feet. Well, they're not perfectly flat on the floor. I got a footstool, flat on the footstool, shoulders down, chest open. And I'm making sure I'm very aware that my breath goes past my throat and gets more down into my chest. I will also grab a quick, short, guttural breath when I take pauses as I am speaking. It's all part of that power dance. You know, you bring up some really amazing points there. I will often, if I... Actually, today I decide, you know, I'm going to sit down and enjoy this back and forth conversation with Kim because we just want it to be totally authentic. But I will tell you, for certain podcast interviews when I'm being interviewed and most of the time I am standing and I will tell you, the energy goes through the roof, especially when I'll do a solo. I want the energy to be there. And you can only have that when you're standing and to your point, the diaphragm, the chest is open. And I might even propose that to people, again, it's probably better for our health, that if we are doing a lot of hybrid, a lot of remote conversations, try to do some of them standing up. I think that will change the energy. People will see and respond and lean into it. And also to Kim's point about those pauses and slowing down. When you slow down your messaging, it's not dumbifying it in any way, but slowing it down allows you to also Make a careful choice of words and you will find that you will be more fluid. People will be hanging on your words. Most importantly, people will consume the message at a rate that they can process it and lean into it. I'm an East Coast girl. I talk fast and it, I don't think people can truly understand everything I say if I were to rapidly speak. So pause and breathe and speak succinctly. 
it's going to have a huge impact on your message. Yep. And definitely make sure you're standing in that power stance. Now, that doesn't mean you can't move if you're on a live stage or whatever, but make sure you're beginning and you're ending in that power stance. And if you're in a chair, which you and I are, is also maintain that power stance, aka the power sits. So I've enjoyed this conversation, but I also want to make it relatable. So if people out there are listening and they've enjoyed Kim and Deb going back and forth here, just, you know, talking about stuff, we just feel that people are sometimes missing the mark when they hold themselves back. They don't have their voice, nor do they have the tools to get what they want or to be able to influence others. I want people to know how do you help people? What are some of the ways that you have helped either individuals teams, C-suite leaders, because if that's you out there, I want you to look him up, find her work and potentially connect with her. So tell us a little bit more about how you serve. So I serve one-on-one and that's usually with C-suites and executive leadership. And I also work one-on-one with the emerging leaders, prepping them for next steps. So I do private one-on-one coaching. I'm also certified in to speak up and influence through Step Into Your Moxie. So I do facilitation inside of organizations, and that looks like half days, full days, or two full days. And it just really helps teams. Both of those are my favorite, but I love when we're doing the facilitation with the teams and you have the team leads in there, right there, pushing sleeves up, sitting side by side with their teams. It really starts breaking down those communication barriers. Communication is the catalyst to all forms of leadership. Communication is a catalyst to life in my world and in my opinion. So that's the other way that people can also work with me. And I'm also a speaker as well. And I do come in and speak to organizations. I'm grateful that you dropped in because I too have found that our voice is the greatest tool to communicate our value and impact. And if people can pick up a tip or a style, or a way to have better impact, then we struggle less in the work that we do. We spend more time with friends and family. And if you've enjoyed this episode, I'm turning to my listeners, but you know somebody in your network that, hey, you need to meet Kim, or I too also will help the C-suite leader with their business challenge, but I will also help them with their messaging. I will help knowledge workers help with their messaging Because at the end of the day, we work hard and we just don't want to struggle. We want to be able to do the things we want to do. We don't want to fall asleep at the wheel. We want to be able to wake up every day with a lot of energy. So Kim, any last words before we bring this to a close? Oh, yes. Let's really ramp this up. Everybody, all of us with our voices, with the communication. I would love to see a lot of these uh, leaders have such beautiful loyalty, consciousness, And their team, same thing, the loyalty, the consciousness, and and it's just a well-oiled machine and wheel going on. And also, too, for the C-suite leaders, really claiming their voices. And like I said, I've referred to earlier, the Kim and Debs of the world that are running our own businesses, where we really claim our voices based on what we want, not because Deb or Kim is doing this a specific way. Find your own way and really claim that. So thank you so much to my listeners. Check out Kim Boudreaux-Smith. She is amazing. And just, I'm sure if you said you just want to get to know or have a conversation, she is great to have a conversation. You should have seen us off script here back and forth because we so believe that there's so much untapped potential out there. And we both just want to help you. Thank you again for joining us on another episode of the Drop-In CEO Podcast. Kim, I wish you well and continue success. Thank you. Same to you, Deb. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. 
I hope you are inspired by our conversation and can apply what you heard to your business or career goals. If you found this valuable, please share this show with at least one friend who will find it useful and inspiring. When you share this podcast, it allows me to continue to help C-suite leaders of today and tomorrow to navigate their challenges with confidence. To connect with me or learn more about the Drop-In CEO services, go to my website at dropinceo.com. And until we meet, I wish you well and much success.